This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. This evening, we're going to be talking a little bit about some uh, blood levels in men, lab tests in men that relate to sexual function. Also going to be talking about sexless relationships and my stand-up guy that I want to tell you about. As well, a little bit of focus on the men tonight. If you have a question, give me a call at 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Also want to tell you a little bit about... Uh, the event that I'm having this week, November 1st, at the Inlet Theater in Port Moody. It is called Hot Flash in the City. There's a cocktail party. There's a movie. There's a Q&A afterward. There's going to be lots of uh, women's health products and solutions for you uh, there. So from everything from the womanizer to the uresta, which is for stress urinary incontinence, leakage of urine when you jump or run or jump on the trampoline because uh, after we become mothers, we all become trampoline jumpers and then we leak urine. <laughs> so this is a self-management product and uh, it's quite revolutionary, designed by a physician. Also going to be having FEM there, P-H-E-M-M-E. It is a personal moisturizer and it is uh, available at London Drugs and it is for vaginal dryness and painful sex. Um, and uh, I have... Uh, uh, lots of other subjects. I want to talk to you. I want to read this email to you from a gentleman from Pakistan. And, and I want to say I did a TEDx talk uh, about a little over a year ago uh, on the no sex marriage, masturbation, cheating, loneliness and shame. It's had over 6.2 million views. And as a result, I do a lot of telehealth in my practice now. So I hear from patients all around uh, the world. Uh, but first, I am going to hear from Bruce, who has a question on aging. Hello, Bruce. Hi there. Um, I didn't necessarily have a question, but I did wanted to mention that uh, I'm sort of a good example of uh, somebody whose telomeres are probably in good shape, uh, seeing as how I can do 200 push-ups in one set. Wow. And I'm, and I'm 65 years old. Even more incredible. Um, well, actually, I should be a little, uh, add a little bit there. Uh, it's been a while since I've hit 200 push-ups, but I always hit at least 180. So One, uh, one is a miracle for me. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I've never heard too many women say that they could do a lot of push-ups, although I'm, I'm sure there are some out there that can. But, you know, I didn't start off doing 200. Of course not. Um, but, uh, yeah, I may maybe started off doing, I don't know, 50 or 75 or something like that, and then just work my way up from there. Anyway, yeah, so, like, I'm 5'9 and 135 pounds, and, uh, you know, uh, slender, but very nicely toned, and, uh, so I've... <laughs> if you do say so yourself. No. <laughs> um, yeah, well, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not hey. displeased. When I look at myself in the mirror, I'm not displeased by, um... Excellent. If you're, yeah. if, if you don't self-promote, who will? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so um anyway, I you know, I I go to the gym. Uh well, I used to go like three times a week. Uh now I only go once a week, but I do like a 2-hour session and I also do exercises at home including the push-ups and a little bit of pilates and uh, you know, a small amount of yoga and uh, you know, some other exercises. I work on the core a lot. Um so I've you know managed to uh, keep the flab off of my tummy quite nicely. That's yeah. good because a lot of men, as they age, they get that beard yeah. gut. Well, I, I was I was headed in that direction at one. The point. man, the bad bod. Mm-hmm. 
um, you know, I had a bit of a punch, but and I think I weighed uh, like about 165 or something at the time. Um, and then when I started going, I've been going to the gym regularly for um, uh, 12 years now. So was it exclusively exercise that uh, dropped the weight for you and toned uh, well, you up? Well, you uh, can't uh, exercise your way out of a bad diet. So there's f- uh, food and nutrition, which is also part of it. And, um, you know, I don't, uh, like, I know how to cook well. Mm-hmm. And I, I cook, you know, good, nutritious, tasty food. Uh, I've got a couple of pasta sauces that are killer. And um, Do you have any money? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should ask if you're single first, because the women out there, the single women out there, like so far, cooks, trim, exercises. <laughs> I, I don't know. This is Vancouver, so it doesn't seem to make any difference for me. <laughs> but, Are you um, looking for somebody? Uh, yeah, I'm always looking Okay, for, ladies for out there, listen, the guy's got a few bucks. <laughs> Uh, Apparently, actually, I should I should point out I'm a slender man of slender means. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I get by fairly well That's on uh, a modest a, a modest income, a modest monthly income, which is you know, uh, predict. I have a predictable amount of money that comes in every month, but and I'm not I'm not sitting on a big pie, a big whack of dough, you know. <laughs> I don't think anybody is here in Vancouver. No. Uh, anyway, yeah, but so. so that's great. So I appreciate your calling in. I actually had a patient that uh, I've been seeing for uh, treating for since about the end of June, and I was going to tell his story uh, tonight, and, and it's quite similar to yours. But he presented with uh, some erectile. Well, he didn't tell me this at first. He just told me that he was in a sexless marriage, and yeah. uh, but he did actually have some erectile function issues. And now that he's gotten himself into good shape, things are looking up for him. Yeah, I've never had any problems in that department. Everything works just fine. Well, now the ladies are like, oh, forget him. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. Well, that's great, Bruce. I really appreciate your uh, telling me and talking to the listeners about your telomere levels. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, (laughs) point out that it is possible to, like, age well if you, you know, don't do stupid things like uh, smoke and, uh, uh, you know, eat bad food. And uh, I mean, I like a little wine with dinner, but, you know, that's I don't I don't, uh, you know, overconsume alcohol or anything like that. So you, well, know. you sound younger than 65. I have to say that. Yeah, most people think I'm, you know, a fair bit younger than I nine I like. years. I'm sure. Anyway, well, that's great. All right. Well, thank you so much for your call, Bruce. Um I wanted to, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's important. It's an important message. And he's single, ladies, so give me a call if you want to get fixed up with a trim 65-year-old of slender man of slender means that <laughs> doesn't really drink much. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm sure there's somebody out there that might. I, I, I've always wanted to be a matchmaker, and, I, and I've done it before, not professionally, of course, but I've just had a sense I've uh, fixed up people, um, and, uh, you know, from my uh, ability to ch- save the world, my, <laughs> my desire, not my ability, my desire to change, save the world, and my people-pleasing ability, that's a particular personality type. I'll be going through that with you next week. We're going to go through some personality types. But for now, I'm going to read this email to you uh, from a gentleman from Pakistan. And as I said, 
I've been doing a lot of telehealth consultations because of that TEDx talk that I had done a little over a year ago. And uh, one of the patients that uh, uh, that I see through telehealth uh, has actually been fairly successful. And, and also, I, I see a number of men in my clinical practice who uh, have issues in the bedroom, they have erectile dysfunction, but when they present to my clinical practice and I see them in person and I do a little formula, I realize that they're overweight, they're not living the healthiest of life, they're not doing any high-intensity physical activity, but, uh, but although I don't start them off with that immediately, I basically start them off with um, uh, changing their lifestyle, nutritional lifestyle, shall I say. Not getting into the lifestyle, that's a whole different story. But I provide them with a, a way to eat, a way to consume. It's a big change for a lot of these guys, but you know what? These guys are having great success with as long as they're committed to my suggestions, my plan, and then begin on the exercise. And these guys have lost 28 to 35 pounds in, you know, six weeks to two months maximum. They feel a whole lot better. They're more productive and they're having better erections. Are they even having erections? Some of these guys have been on Viagra, Levitra, Cialis. They got side effects, nasal congestion, headache. And so, you know, but it, 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 I think working with somebody is actually helpful. They have to be accountable. And I give them some accountability strategies to themselves as well. And, I, and I'm pretty strict about it. Um, one fellow in particular that I want to tell you about, he's a lawyer from the U.S. And he basically, uh, he was quite overweight. And, and you know, he still is. But uh, so I, I suggested that he... Um, he actually changed his nutritional lifestyle and I gave him a plan. I call it the all in plan uh, because, and I named it after him because he, he told me that he was disappointed after about a month, he was disappointed, but he was eating Chinese food every Sunday night. That was part of his culture. He said he was Jewish and they ordered Chinese food every Sunday night and, and, and he was drinking wine and he'd gone to a wedding. And, and I said, listen, you have to change. You have to go all in. You have to commit. And he was a little bit wanting to blame me. Like, like this isn't working. Well, you can't just do it 50% or even 75%. You got to go all in. If you want to get all in, you got to go all in. So I'll tell you a little bit about him when I come back. And then I promise you, I'll read you this email. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you this evening. Always my pleasure to be here and thank you for listening because this show would be nothing without you. I was telling you about, before I went to break, I was telling you about a gentleman who uh, had a lot of extra weight on him. He did have erectile dysfunction and uh, he did follow my plan and he's lost the weight, but unfortunately there things haven't changed in the bedroom. But he told me that he and his wife don't talk about sex, which I wasn't surprised about. In fact, I asked him the question, do you talk about it? Have you talked about it? They've been married for about 30 years and sex was not a subject that they discussed really ever. And he said that his sex life was fairly mundane, fairly dull. Um, and, and anytime he made any suggestions to change it or to shake it up, she looked at him like he was a, a pedophile, I mean, a predator. Um, and she was, you know, very upset with that. So for about four years, they haven't had any sex at all. So I said, the next step for you is you need to have a conversation with your wife about, about sex, about the importance of intimacy in your relationship. And, uh, and so that's a difficult, 
uh, for him. It's going to be difficult for him, he said. And and, and that's what I do often uh, with my patients in my clinical practice or on telehealth. And, and the program that I use is VC, but there are a number of telehealth platforms. And I just want to mention this, that th- there's VC and there's live care. Uh, there's a number of other ones. But these are HIPAA compliant and, and so that's important because that relates to uh, 1996 legislation in the U.S. about the privacy of electronic medical records um, and electronic medical health. So we're, we're really looking at that in a big way today. And my practice is changing significantly as you'll see more telehealth so that people can remain in their homes longer uh, for senior citizens. And it is implemented in a number of different ways. So that's something that I'm using more and more in my clinical practice. And I, and I get asked that question all the time. Do you see patients over the internet? I am amazed at how much information people will send to me on Facebook, on a Facebook messenger on, or on a LinkedIn message, um, as opposed to maintaining the privacy. So I, I tend not to respond that way, but I'll try and I will respond uh, in a very uh, limited way and just advising that I do do these telehealth um, conferences or consult consultations to maintain privacy for people. So I get that question a lot, and I'm just going to answer that for you right here. Yes, I do consults over the internet, but it is through a telehealth platform that protects your privacy. Uh, which is very important. So I want to read this email that I've been promising you for a while. Hi, Maureen. I hope all is well at your end. Uh, Maureen, my name is Babar. I am from Pakistan. Recently, I saw your TED Talk related to sex and marriage, and it provoked me to seek a little guidance from you. I am married to a beautiful girl. Her name is Fatima. I love her so much, and we've been married for almost a year and a half. The problem in our marriage is that it is not consummated. We have discussed this issue with the doctors and sex therapists here in Pakistan, but none could help us. We are really worried about this issue, and we want to resolve it somehow, but it doesn't seem to get resolved. I had some lab tests done, and the values are, according to the hospital laboratory outlined below, follicle-stimulating hormone, or an FSH. In men, the LH, the luteinizing hormone, stimulates testosterone production from the interstitial cells of the testes. So I'm just telling you what what FSH does. It stimulates testicular growth and enhances the production of the androgen-binding protein, um, which are a component of the testicular tubule that is necessary for maintaining and sustaining the maturing sperm cell. So that level was within normal limits. The prolactin level, when a high prolactin level concentration interferes with the function of the testicles, the production of testosterone decreases. And so men may have low energy, decreased sex drive, decreased muscle mass, low strength, and uh, and anemia in some cases. And then testosterone level, of course, which is the uh, sex hormone for men. And all of those levels, according to what he's given me, are normal. But uh, And the testosterone level range that he's given me, and they use different values over there, is 1.75 to 7.81. That's the normal range. And his testosterone level, and I'm not sure if it's total T, you know, what, what testosterone level it is, but I don't actually think it's a testosterone problem anyway. But nonetheless, it's 2.78. So it is within the range. But he has... So he goes on to say, the doctor said the testosterone level is low, so he prescribed for me some medicine, and the side effects of that was uh, dizziness, and so I stopped taking the medicine. Now he goes on to the more important aspect. In my childhood, I suffered from sexual abuse, and I was bullied at school and college so that you can't have sex or you can't have any girl in your life. This has made me a deep impact on my mental health, as I've always been shy, particularly towards the subject of sex. 
In my childhood, I never experienced masturbation. I thought it was bad. So that bad image has remained inside of my head and has made me feel inferior. I've also been dealing with low self-esteem issues, which I guess also result in my sexless marriage. I have a strong feeling that I can overcome this problem as I love my wife and she means the world to me. All I want you to provide me with a little guidance on this issue because here in Pakistan, talking about sexual problems is taboo. Let me tell you something, Babar, talking about sexual problems in Canada, the U.S., France, Singapore, all over the world is taboo. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on Newstalk 980 CKNW. I'll have some advice for Babar when I return. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Uh, if you are just joining me now, welcome to the program. Uh, prior to the break, I read an email from a gentleman from Pakistan who is in a an unconsummated marriage. He and his wife have been married for a year and a half, and they have not consummated the relationship. He's had lab tests done, FSH follicle-stimulating hormone, prolactin levels, and testosterone, all which would indicate, if they were abnormal, all which would indicate sexual dysfunction, Or, um, but they were all normal. So even though his testosterone level was in the low normal, but it's still considered normal, okay, um, but it was on the lower end of the normal range, the doctor prescribed testosterone, but it gave him side effects, and it didn't work. I'm not sure if this gentleman told his doctor that he had suffered from sexual abuse as a child and that he had been bullied at school uh, and even in college, and that he also has some mental health issues that he talks about, and he sex it does not sound like sex was a subject in the home, at the dinner table, which is so common in so many homes. And he also felt that masturbation was uh, bad, or and he felt guilty about that. And, it, and uh, that bad image made him feel inferior. So he's been dealing with low self-esteem issues, and which has likely or potentially had an impact on his sexless marriage. He loves this woman, his wife, and he would like some help here. And so this is something... You know, sexual abuse as a child is just the, one of the most devastating things that it can, can occur. And it will impact a person's life and sex life over the long term. People who have experienced sexual abuse as children need intensive therapy. They need, they, it often can lead to obsessive compulsive disorder, unwanted thoughts. It can, many people who have felt that, uh, it's, it's betrayal beyond description because uh, you're, you're to be protected as a child, you're to be safe and secure. It, it can be confusing if you're, if you're fondled, even if you're touched once uh, in um, the genitalia, it can have a long-lasting impact for people. Uh, I don't know how long the sexual abuse was, but it will definitely uh, impact it's not something that people will associate with love. They feel guilty. They feel like it was their fault. They feel like they should have done something about it. They could have done something about it. It uh, sets up a lot of confusion around, uh, depending on who uh, abused this uh, this gentleman, whether it was a man or a woman, because it can lead to confusion around sex. Uh, people are not sure. They're, they're uncertain if they're attracted to females, and yet they were sexually abused by a male they may feel like there's, that's wrong, um, but there's just so much guilt. And, of course, this does lead to, uh, if, if there's anxiety and obsessive-compulsive disorder, this can be exhausting and depleting and can lead to low self-esteem, which he describes. So my recommendation for him would be to 
likely he sounds like he's a healthy person physically, um, but that he definitely needs to have intensive therapy for the sexual abuse. And to just understand that sexual abuse can lead to uh, a sexless marriage, a non-consummated marriage. And, um, and and unfortunately, all over the world, uh, talking about sexual problems is taboo. So it's a very uncomfortable conversation for many people to have. Of course, I will write him back um, with a little bit more detail. But the bottom line is that it is definitely something that will impact your relationship and your sex life and a satisfying sexual experience. And, you know, sex and, and love and intimacy, much like life, is to be enjoyed, not endured. Uh, I was going to tell you about my little solution to solve the housing crisis here in Vancouver. Uh, I went back to Boston, where I'm from, a little town, 15 minutes north of Boston. And uh, so there were the neighbors, my parents' neighbors, were putting on a, a, a big addition to their already fairly good-sized house. And so my father said they're... And what what it's what a duplex in the states is called a two family. Well, in the area that I'm from, anyway. So my father said they're building a two family, and I thought it was a little strange because there's no two families in the house. And I said, "Oh, is the town okay with that? That'll be a first. And he said, "Well, they must be. They're building it." And he said he's actually building that wing. He's well, the the two family, the the other house apparently, for his ex wife and his two children from the previous marriage. And I said, wow, that's amazing, since he won't let his ex-wife in the front door. That's incredible that he's actually building a a whole house for her that's attached to his house with his new wife and his new baby and a second one on the way. Talk about all in the family. Uh, So, of course, that wasn't the real story. (laughs) The wing was for his two children, not the ex-wife. There was no door access to it, and it's not a two-family because they're actually not zoned for two families uh, where they live. So, uh, but but it made me th- start to think, you know, not a bad idea. Um, if Because the most important thing about divorce or separating when there's children involved is that the couple is civil to one another. All children want to feel is secure. They they all dream. None of them are happier after they you have gotten divorced. That is a fallacy. Nobody says, I'm so happy my parents are divorced now. They don't fight anymore uh, because they continue, They typically continue to fight. Ask any child of a divorced uh, situation and they will tell you they, they would much rather have uh, their parents together. But that can't be the case at times. And sometimes it's healthier for them, even though they may not... Um, appreciate it at the time, it may be healthier for them and for the entire family, uh, and, and divorce can be the only option. But you must always be civil to your ex-wife or ex-husband regardless, and you have to put your children above you, and that's why. And so I was thinking, well, that's kind of a nice idea, you know, all these billion-dollar homes we have here that, you know, these rat-infested teardowns with, uh, that cost $4 million. Um, plenty of those. Uh, but no, um, if you... Uh, split up, you know, potentially you could live on opposite ends of the house (laughs) and have all the kids. So the kids never have to leave to go over to dad's or never have to leave to go over to mom's. They also say it's a good idea to keep the children in the home and the parents are the ones that have to uh, leave every week. Imagine that, um, leaving every week, leaving your home every week to go to another home, then it may not be that close. I mean, it's a good idea if you are split up to live as close as possible to one another and, you know, just be just be nice to each other about the whole issue and the finances and everything. Being respectful because you are teaching your children how to be respectful. And, you know, texting is such a big part of today's world. 
Um, and we, you know, you're texting is and it's it's so much a part of relationships and your texting is actually linked to better or worse relationship satisfaction and so basically uh in a recent study in the journal computers and human behavior uh that research found that the way you text and how you feel about how your partner texts has a huge implication for how satisfied you are with your relationship so basically if you both text in the same manner if one isn't over texting you, text bombing you, and the other one is not responding, you know, that's going to lead to some relationship dissatisfaction, according to this research out of Pace University's Digital Media and Psychology Lab. But, you know, this is the way um, of communication for the future. This is the way, this is a very important aspect of uh, relationships. And it reveals that texting isn't something that's frivolous and inconsequential. It is, in fact, a big part of the day-to-day rhythm of being with somebody. So it's worth articulating to yourself and your partner what messaging means to you. And it's also going to become a part of uh, therapy. It, it, it will definitely become a part of um, the information that therapists will have to provide you with a better way to deal with your relationship or for anyone trying to navigate the thickets of electronic romance. So mindfulness uh, interventions have been shown to get people to edit their texts more and also drunk text less. Drunk texting is a big issue. So these are the texting is important. It's an important way for communication. Sometimes we don't communicate with our partners as well as we should. Very few people talk about sex um, with their partners. There's research studies to that actually confirm that, uh, that demonstrate that, the closer study. Um, I, but these are subjects at, at midlife for women. These issues come up all the time, and especially around vaginal health, vaginal dryness, estrogen, heart palpitations, not sleeping, night sweats, um, hot flashes, and depression can occur, anxiety at the midlife, the perimenopausal years, the years leading up to menopause. So I have some tickets to give out, so give us a call, 604-280-9898. The event is on Wednesday, November 1st at the Inlet Theater in Port Moody, and so you can give me a call. And uh, we will uh, provide you with some tickets. You can just come to the Will Call at the Inlet Theater in Port Moody on November 1st. That's this Wednesday night. So uh, we'd love to see you there. There's going to be lots of information. There's a movie. There's a cocktail hour, uh, appies. So we're going to have so much fun and learn at the same time. And one thing that I'm going to teach you about tonight, because we may not be talking about this too much. Oh, no, we will be because the womanizer is coming. But all the different types of female orgasms. And so many women don't even experience orgasm or have a difficulty, have difficulty experiencing orgasm. They, um, may never have experienced an orgasm. They may not know if they've experienced an orgasm. One surefire way to experiencing an orgasm is with a womanizer, which is a clitoral suckling device. It's available on my website, as is my book, Sex and Health, Why One Can't Come Without the Other. Uh, so, But I want to tell you about the different types of female orgasms. And it's important to experience orgasm because it makes you feel so great. It helps you to sleep. It reduces stress. And you know what? That's what sex is about. And don't ever think that it's one-sided. It may take a little time, but the womanizer will actually speed things up in a huge way <laughs> for you. Um, if you've ever listened to my the original time that I tried the womanizer, anyway, it was 
It was a memorable day for me and my neighbors. But nonetheless, I digress. The five types of female orgasms. Of course, the clitoral orgasm is the most common type of female orgasm. Most women are able to reach orgasm by stimulation of the clitoris in the area around with their own fingers or a vibrator or if a partner does that. Because there's million, there, there's millions of little nerves running through the clitoris. It's super sensitive. It's like a magic button. And uh, it's... Um, you know, it's a great way to experience an orgasm. There's also the vaginal orgasm, and that can be achieved by G-spot stimulation or through intercourse with your partner. Uh, only about 30% of women are able to experience, the, of, the, of the women, about a third of women can experience orgasm, and only about 30% of those can actually experience orgasm with penetrative sex. There's also a joint orgasm. So when more than one erogenous zone has been stimulated simultaneously for reaching orgasm. So it can be the clitoris, the vagina, or the anus, anal area. You can have an anal orgasm. And for what, for some women, this is still a taboo area. And it's like, you know, n- never enter in the back door. Um, but it's, or it's considered something only for porn stars or just the bad girls do it. But, you know, there's a course at Harvard that is given, Harvard University in Cambridge, Massachusetts, that is given for one week, and it's all about anal sex. And so there are lots of hip anal starter toy kits to start exploring. You want to use lots of lube. Um, you know, and, and it's something to, you know, to try before saying no. So ensuring that you have adequate lubrication and start with something small. There's lots of little sex toys around there, around, um, that you can, you know, start with and just start to experiment with. Um, and as with any type of sexual play, backdoor play, uh, the more you do it, the better you become at it. So practice makes perfect, but uh, you get more confident with it as well, and it becomes easier. But it may not be your thing at all, so do not force it on yourself. And it has to be something that both partners agree on and are willing to explore without fears. Otherwise, you're going to set yourself up for failure even before you get started. So you know what? Some people have this attitude, you know, I try anything at least once and see how it makes me feel. And so you might want to give yourself the same benefit of the doubt around anal sex, especially if your life is your sex life has become boring. If your life has become boring too, <laughs> um, but anyway, so it's it's but listen to your intuition rather than others, and don't let your fear or your shame or your guilt limit your orgasm potential. And uh, actually, some people have reported an addiction to. Um, anal sex as uh, their their form of reaching multiple earth-shattering hypnotic orgasms, of course, with a trusted partner. So this can be a highly addictive type. Um, but the, of course, the, the biggest um, sex organ is, of course, the brain. And, um, and as I mentioned, if uh, you're having difficulty reaching orgasm, of course, the womanizer is a great device. I use it as a therapeutic device in my clinical practice. And Many women, all every woman that's tried it loves it. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath, we're in the final strokes of the program. I can't believe it. Hopefully I've covered all the subjects that I promised you tonight. Uh, and uh, here we're going to get to a little bit deeper into the erectile dysfunction. I also want to mention that uh, on Wednesday night, November 1st, Inlet Theater in Port Moody, Hot Flash in the City. Give us a call if you like. We can uh, hitch up with a few tickets to the show. Come on down for a cocktail party and a movie and 
uh, networking. So it's going to be a great, fun night. Answer all your questions about midlife and menopause and relationships, online dating, vaginal health, sexual desire. But first, we're going to go to my, my friend here. Uh, dear Maureen, I listen to your show every Sunday night. I'm a 32-year-old guy in a relationship for two years and have been experiencing erectile dysfunction since my 20s. My girlfriend doesn't care that much <laughs> because she doesn't really seem to be that interested in sex much anymore. I thought only old geezers got ED. Is this going to get worse? I'm so embarrassed to talk to my doctor about it. Can you help? I look forward, forward to hearing from you, Lincoln. Lincoln, guys in their 20s can certainly get erectile dysfunction. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. And, you know, even if you listen to the media, except for me, of course, you might think that only the old guys get erectile dysfunction. And by that, I mean the 40-year-olds and up. Uh, they Because the ED ads for the medications tend to show men uh, that are older, that are, you know, have the gray hair, the whole nine yards. But... Erectile dysfunction does indeed affect a number of younger men. I do want to say that a lot of men, uh, when there's erectile dysfunction in a relationship, women are not turned on by that, okay? So it's no surprise that your girlfriend doesn't want to have sex because it can be a big turnoff. So in 2017, Sexual Medicine Reviews published a study that focused on erectile dysfunction in younger men, and the authors estimated that just over half of men between 40 and 70 have erection problems to some extent, but younger men are still affected. How many? In a multinational study of almost 28,000 men, 11% of men in their 30s and 8% of men in their 20s had ED. A Swiss study of 2,500 men between 18 and 25 found that around 30% had some degree. And an Italian study in men under 40 um, showed that the rates were rising from 5% to to over 15% over a two-year period. Uh, so the so the variation or the degree or the severity of ED can vary. Some men can't get erections at all. Others have trouble occasionally. Others feel that their erections aren't as firm as they like. And so why might younger men get ED? This is the question. Age is a major factor. So why do the young guys get it? And it's a complicated answer. But there are a number of reasons. One could be vascular problems. A rigid erection depends on good blood flow to your penis. So if anything obstructs that blood flow, such as plaque buildup, in blood vessels, an erection might be difficult to achieve. There's hormonal disorders. Conditions like diabetes or underactive thyroid, Klinefelter syndrome can also interfere with erectile function. Nervous system disorders, MS, epilepsy, spinal cord injury, other nervous system disorders may have trouble with erections because important messages from the brain do not connect with the genitals. Medication side effects is another one. Psychological and emotional concerns, smoking and illicit drug use as well can also lead to it. So that knowing that this could be a a symptom of another medical condition, I would suggest you speak to your doctor as a place to begin. Looks like we are coming to the final strokes of the program. So I'll hope to see you all Wednesday night. Tickets at backtothebedroom.ca at the Inlet Theater in Port Moody. Uh, Also, just go to my website if you like, backtothebedroom.ca. Follow me on Twitter at back, the number two, the bedroom. Tim, thanks for uh, helping me out with the program tonight. Thanks. Really appreciate all the board op, opping that you did. And remember, when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at CKNW.com, the Radio Player Canada app. 
TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.